0: Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the Gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I'm joined by local paraministry leader Ed Diaz as we talk about partiality, our favorite books in the Bible, and this week's message in our series entitled Extreme Hospitality. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Here with me today in the armchair is a good friend of the church, a good friend of mine, Ed Diaz. Welcome, Ed. Great to be here. Thanks, Zach. Ed Diaz, 7117 Ministries. Correct. And uh, just just finished a cycle a teaching uh, in the Agape Sunday School class, which you started. <laughs> A hundred years ago. Oh, so many years ago. but It was
1: called the young couples class. It was the young couples class <laughs>
0: back when you were still a young, 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 young couples. Um, and uh, But now Agape, you, you started that, and now I teach that class. But you taught for the last uh, several weeks and was really appreciative of that. Uh, for anybody who missed, who, who's interested, Christmas in the Old Testament— um, not really seasonally appropriate right now. Not
1: quite, but, but always appropriate to know where right. you find Jesus in the Old Testament. That's right. That's right. Uh, this week, we
0: were th- week number three in a series um, on hospitality. But before I, we get in that, uh, one of the things I always think is fun to talk to preachers and teachers about is... The books or passages in the Bible that really light them up, you know, what are are the favorite—what are the ones that you go back to devotionally? What are the ones that you go back to? What are the ones that in your preaching, it always seems to find its way into (laughs) the the preaching or the teaching moment where you always kind of go back to that? Do you have a, a, a favorite book or passage that always seems to show up in the preaching and the teaching?
1: Well, it's a bit like having children, you know, they're, they're all your favorites for different reasons. Yeah. But, uh, I always get back to, uh, John 13. Yeah. I try to start every year off with that. It's a new year's Eve passage where Mm -hmm. Jesus is washing the disciples feet. And he says, I want you to go and wash one another's feet. And so that's the the job of ministry and we're all in ministry. So, for me, the reminder that that should be our DNA is to look for people that have dirty feet and find a way yeah. to help make that better. That's beautiful. And so, John Thirteen is one of my favorites. It's old yeah. standby.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and powerful reminder of of the servant nature of Christ and echoing uh, towards towards the cross at that moment too. You know, and and um, yeah, that that you can't you can't beat John Thirteen. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Genesis guy. Are you? I think I've said in, in preaching, uh, I cannot. Um, I can't get enough of the book of Genesis every, you know, I, I when I started teaching Agape, so I took over for Paul. Paul, who had been teaching for several years at that point, um, he he was getting a little burned out. And so of, of that, 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 you know, that, that regular teaching. And so I said, Hey, you know, I'll, you know, I'll jump in. I was fairly new. I think it was my f- second year here. And uh, at first we just went through books of the Bible. We did like surveys, You know, like we do, you know, eight weeks in Romans, you know, um, we would do four weeks in in Ruth, you know, something very survey-like. And after we'd done a few of those, and I would ping-pong back and forth between Old Testament and New Testament. And then finally, you know, we had doing that for mm, six months, almost a year. Someone said, well, let's – can we – let's really go – Let's you know, let's go verse. By, I mean, really verse by verse, not right. just the survey stuff. You know, it's not that there's anything wrong with surveys. I mean, surveys are a fantastic yeah. way to understand the broad strokes of the Bible as you're reading them from yourself. But the class was like, you know, we won't really dig in. And I said, okay, well, what, what book of the Bible do you want to get into? So, well, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And I said, I'm going to forewarn you before you <laughs> ask me that. I said, I've taught this book of the Bible twice before, and every time it's taken more than two years. And we, so it said, well, what is it? I said, book of Genesis. and two and a half years, we went by. In the book of Genesis, and even now we just did. uh, We're in, and we did. Then we from from Genesis we did uh, John John's Gospel, and uh, that took two years, and that took us into COVID, and then we did. I remember. Yeah, then we did about sixty weeks. 60 lessons in, in Psalms. Didn't do the whole whole of Psalms. Come on, you had another 90 to go. I know. They, 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 we came back from COVID and we were still in the Psalms. And, I, and people were like, you know, can we do something else now? And so then we started Matthew and we're lesson number 76 wow. in the book of Matthew. But, but even this past week, um, we're, talking to pay, we're talking about paying taxes to Caesar. And and you know the you know the story from Matthew twenty two he he asked him to pull out a denarius he says whose image is on this and he says render to Caesar unto Caesars and the things to God to God so obviously that goes back to Genesis one and two right there and so we did a whole another lesson on Genesis one and two
1: <laughs> it's funny I had I was asked to, to come speak at a church one time and I said what would you like to hear they said anything but Ephesians. I said, why is that? They said, We've been in Ephesians for two years. Oh my god, <laughs> That's
0: yeah, that's a good I mean that that's a good one. I don't know. Two years in Ephesians. I mean I could see you that. You could do it, could but it. If you, exactly. you have
1: to be a word nerd like us.
0: Yeah, and I've heard I've heard of I've heard of pastors I've heard of several different pastors doing like Romans for Ten years, you know, ten years. That they always go back to the Book of Romans. What do you think is the value of those sorts of passages where you keep going back to that in in your in your own study in your own um, teaching and preaching? What What's the value of that for those that you're you're leading and and guiding?
1: Well, that's a good question, and I, I think strongly that you know we are often told in Scripture to remember, yeah, remember what the Lord has done for us, so that moving forward we have that foundation. And those are the passages that that form who we are as followers of Christ and I I need to go back and remember who I am, why I get to do what I get to do and for whom and you know that this is our DNA. And yeah. so for me, you know, God has woven together a bunch of those passages and you know when it comes to you know Old Testament, I could stay in the Psalms forever too. Yeah. You know there's so many of the real live emotions mm-hmm. up and down uh, in the Psalms. I Absolutely. love Genesis like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, been again, they're, they all have such great differences, but such great joy and, mm-hmm. and, uh, surveys great. You know, when I was with walk through the Bible, our, our focus was to say, look, we could, we can give you a key word for every book of the Bible so that in five seconds you can bring to mind mm-hmm. what's in that book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think Psalms, the key word was worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you want to be able to take a book of the Bible and, uh, and teach through it in about five minutes, mm-hmm. talk your way through it. And then you want to be able to take a book of the Bible and, Teach through it in five hours, yeah. and if you have the opportunity, five days, and so forth. Yeah. So it's it's you know it's unreachable bottom of the well when you yeah. come to scripture. You go over and over, you find new pearls every time you yeah. you swim down there.
0: Yeah, and I remember several years ago um, when the former associate of discipleship Kenny Ellis was here, we did the uh, the God Story project, and mm. and and that to me, and that was a project that you know he wrote the the reading plan for that um, with with some with some uh, you know, input from the other pastoral staff. I was brand spanking new. and and But the thing that I loved about that was it gave people the broad strokes of uh, the redemptive message of, of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. Sure. So, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's like what you're saying with Christmas in the Old Testament is that the, the echo of Christ is is there,
1: you know. From... I think it was Sidlow Baxter had a book called "The Scarlet Thread of Redemption." Yeah. It may not have been him, but that was mm-hmm. his, his focus. You could show from the beginning mm-hmm. there's a need to, to, for Christ to come, for mm-hmm. Him to do what He did, and now as a result, how we live. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, I I especially the 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 idea of you know every pastor, every preacher, every teacher that I've ever talked to, they have these these passages of scripture, they have books of the Bible, they have chapters in the Bible that that keep calling them as individuals back for whatever reason. And it reminds me that, you know, we we are individuals created in the image of God, but we have a unique personality and unique unique uh, unique frameworks that we're 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 working from and that that God has put us in the positions that we're in in the context that we're in and not others. You know, yes. and there there's there's specific um, usefulness for that. And so um, when when the agape class hears me talk about genesis you know they they the ones that have been with me the longest you know for 8 years or whatever they 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 jokingly kind of roll their eyes and laugh but then they they also rediscover those the the, the foundational principles of the gospel in the beginning you yes. know in in the in the in that first and when you, when you go back to john chapter 13 it's that the heartbeat of radical servanthood that is 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 a, is the very nature of Christ's work for for us for for the people we're talking to for people who who've never heard it but but need to hear it and and I think those those threads are really important that the drumbeat of that is really really important yeah yeah and for
1: that reason you know we both focused a little bit on James mm-hmm. I did a lot you did mm-hmm. a lesser amount but. That that is is uh, is such a practical book for me, and yeah. and be, and because it involves the Old Testament, I think I mentioned it. Yeah. on Sunday, yeah. but twenty-seven out of the thirty-nine Old Testament books yes. are referenced in these five short chapters in James. Which and I love I
0: that detail. I love that detail. Yeah,
1: and you know, just to imagine, uh, you know, the the walk with God as a result of this faith that we're trying to, to live out is it's just such a practical thing.
0: Yeah, and and I want to I do want to jump in there with the book of James for a second because you know you mentioned this uh, I I did I did uh, talk about James about a third of my messages on James about yes. a third was on the uh, Luke. The Luke, the Luke fourteen, four, 14 passages, and and um, uh, then another third was kind of weaving the the two together from from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You spent a lot of time in the Book of James, but you did point out, and I did not point this out, but you did point this out, and I'm glad you did. And I want to talk about this: is that is a difficult book for some people? Yes. You talked about Martin Luther.
1: Yes, he did not like James at all. Yeah the epistle, <laughs> the
0: Epistle of Straw. I, I've heard it. I've heard him, him refer. I've heard other. People refer have said that he referred to it as the gospel of straw. So, what do you say to people like that? Where and I've I I was even reading comments on Facebook uh, from not not in reference to your message or my message, but but people that talk about you know they when preachers preach, it should just be you know purely pointing to the to the sacrifice, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and never a call to do anything. Right?
1: Mm. Well. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to do in terms of our salvation, but there's everything to do in terms of our sanctification. You know, I I think I introduced my sermon with that phrase, there there are books of the Bible that talk about the way to God, like Romans, and then there are books that talk about the walk with God, and then there are some books that put them both together. You know, Ephesians, uh, the first three chapters is positional, who we are in Christ, and the last three chapters are practical, how we're supposed to behave in Christ. James is all about the behavior piece because he was dealing with believers. Yeah. So how should they live in a world where they are experiencing persecution, negativity, job loss, family crisis, so forth?
0: Well, and, and even I mean, you look at even the, the the ministry of Christ Himself. I mean you you talk about you talk about practical. Oh, I mean, you look at the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, the, some of the most difficult how to things. And yes, I mean. What the, the 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 high watermark of Christ's perfection obviously cannot be accomplished in ourselves, and that's 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 to some extent it's the point, right? Yes. That unless Christ does His work in us, then then we have no hope. And yet, walking with Christ bears fruit. The the, the abiding nature of being with—I mean, that's the that's the John
1: 15, right? Amen. I mean, I, one of the first men I ever heard teach the Book of James. Uh, was Haddon Robinson, who happened to be uh, Doctor John Fullerton's homiletics professor. That's right, yeah. And, uh, and I remember he said very clearly, I was a new believer, and he said the uh, that we are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. That's right. And I, you actually mentioned that this past
0: week in your message, was so I love that line. I stole that from Haddon.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I love that line because— yeah. If we, you know, that's that's the vacillation between, and to use the theological terms, you know, the, the legalism versus antinomianism, right? It's yeah, this absolutely. idea that that I have to earn my salvation, or because I have salvation, I have to do the, the, nothing results, and and it's just, I mean, Galatians five, I mean, the fruit of the spirit that you which you mentioned in your message this week is is an outgrowth of our salvation it's an outgrowth of the inworking of the Holy Spirit it's not us but Christ in us you know this yes. is the really great song that we sing in vine it's not not I but Christ in me but if Christ is in you there will be evidence of that
1: and I think you know my, one of my favorite verses although not whole books of the Bible is that Galatians 2:20 you're, yeah. you're mentioned in the fruit of the spirit but I've been crucified with Christ yeah. and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I, I live by faith in, in in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, again, there should be in my life evidences that I know Jesus. Over time, I'm never going to be perfect, but I should be better this year than I was last year. Yeah. You know, I, I've I've used this expression. I'm sure you have too. I'll ask a, a person, "How long have you been a believer?" Well, I've been a believer 20 years. Well, have you been been a believer 20 years or have you been a believer one year 20 times? Yeah. Because a lot of times we don't, we, you know, we're, we're a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. And churches tend to uh, focus on one of three aspects of of the Christian life, and one is getting the gospel message right, and that's so very important. Yeah. But then there's another whole aspect of of discipleship, and that's why I love what we get to do here at First Pres to making mature disciples. It's not about just getting people to make a decision; we want them to to grow in their faith and manifest that. And it comes, you know, the rubber meets the road when you're dealing with with strangers and people yeah. who show up in your assembly. Yeah, and I want to talk about that a, a bit. You know, you, you, one of the things that I think you're
0: probably most well known for in, in our community here and and beyond um, is your evangelistic nature, right? And and eating with eating with people and getting to know people and building relationships with people. But but you have. Uh, you have a broad swath of of folks that you you engage with. So tell me as you engage with folks across social economic real, r- r- racial eth- i mean all the the ba- all the different boundaries that we we set up, you know, how do you get to that point where you know you see beyond those boundaries to see what Christ is, it, but the potential of Christ in, an, in another person. What are the things that go through your head, go through your mind as you're as you're engaging a person for the first time, and then down down the fiftieth time? Yeah,
1: sometimes years later. Uh, you know, my my wife and I have two totally different uh, approaches, and and a little bit because of our background. She grew up a missionary kid, mm-hmm. and she was actually homeless for a while as yeah, a you teenager. Said, you I mentioned, mentioned that, that in the in sermon. sermon, yeah uh so her heart beats for for those kids that she ministers to at Oasis uh you know i i have been given access to people that are often in the corner office yeah and uh and 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 it's not an either or it hopes hopefully is a both end we don't exclude anybody from ministry but we're trying to minister with people that can have an impact and uh you know some of those people in the corner office can get a lot done for the kingdom Mm -hmm. Uh, once they get squared away uh, spiritually. But generally, another one of those favorite passages is the Luke 15 passage, Mm -hmm. the one lost sheep. And so as we go through ministry, as we go through life, just asking God to make us sensitive to that one lost sheep that comes across our path. And they come from all different backgrounds, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes neighbors sometimes business people sometimes kids you know i spent almost 20 years coaching baseball not because i love baseball it's not not a bad game yeah but because i wanted to to do ministry with the kids Mm -hmm. and uh, you know over the years that's been a fun thing to watch them grow and become dads and be married and do premarital counseling and do weddings and stuff like that i've got one coming up here in march
0: Well, and you know, it's 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 interesting. You know, you mentioned Glenn, your wife, and and she. You know, I I actually mentioned a project that she started, the Oasis Project, yes. talking about the hospitality that that uh, her and her team. Uh, she's got a, a wonderful team of, of folks, and and the 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 thing about and the thing I did mention in that in that little section is that there are folks in that that have been a part of that ministry that have contributed to that ministry that contributed to that project to homeless or you know, housing insecure students in Lakeland high school who come from corner office type families, yes. right. And, and yeah. the, they're opening their eyes to being that welcoming presence on the other side, you know, and, and I think, I think one of the things that's challenging and, and you mentioned it in your message about the the stigma of, I don't to say stigma, but the, but the reputation of FPC Lakeland is, mm-hmm. is the, the yacht club at prayer, the, the, the the big rich white church on the lake yeah. just as the outreach director being in the community i've <laughs> i've heard it all um and that's not untrue right but it doesn't mean unwelcoming correct and, and that's and i think that's where there's challenges for us but then also for others right and and
1: challenging our own prayer life and you can be unwelcoming at the at, at the poor end of the spectrum absolutely you know yeah. just like when it comes to riches some of the most generous people i've met have ton of riches. And, and some of the most materialistic folks I've met have been the poorest. Yeah. So it all, it, it's not about the materials. It's about your attitude. And it's not about uh, the people. It's about your attitude towards the people that you know define, are you a hospital, hospitable person or not? So I love the series Extreme Hospitality. And the way you introduced it a few weeks ago with the extreme business was, oh was, man, yeah. it was yeah. really fun because that's where you know, regardless of where we are, we're you know Christ exhibited that wherever he went, he was he received sinners and welcomed them, is what he was accused of in the Luke 15 passage. Yeah, and he moved toward them, and they moved toward him because yeah. they were comfortable around him. He did never condone their sin. You know, he didn't tell the woman of Samaria uh, it's okay to live with your your sixth guy and you've been married five times. Uh, but he loved her the way she was and yeah. and led her to faith, and then let the Holy Spirit do that work of sanctification in her.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you think right now? I mean, if you're looking at FPC Lakeland, and I think Lakeland in general. I mean, Christian. Yeah, we talked about this before. Lakeland is a an interesting Christian community. I mean, we we're not an under-church community, right? I mean, per capita, we've got a lot of churches, a lot of a lot of church plants come come here. Um, there are other communities that don't have nearly as many congregations as we do. So, what do you feel like is the greatest challenge to a community like Lakeland, when the, with this, with this, with the, with the topic of hospitality, especially as it relates to the partiality piece? Because I, I really feel like you know when we looked at that James two passage, he starts off with the partiality, he's very direct, and he ends with show no partiality. It's this this great kind of sandwich board of hey, by the way, all the illustrations and all the different key points, but really it comes down to it don't judge people by appearances don't don't or don't treat people according to the judgment of the of your appearance so what do you feel like as you've been in this lakeland community a long time you've been in uh, in and around first pres and other congregations what do you feel like is the biggest challenge to this community particularly as it relates to partiality and and hospitality uh,
1: you know, that's a great question i think Perhaps one of the challenges is we're still a very southern community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakeland is much more like Birmingham, Alabama, than it is, say, uh, Pittsburgh, or- Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's it's sometimes we mistake people's niceness because of the cultural hospitality that Southerners manifest uh, for an attitude of faith, and it's not that at all. Mm. Uh, and so I think that you know sometimes getting through that layer is is a little tough in terms of ministry. Um, but, again, it's it's been a very generous town, a very kind town. We have a lot of philanthropic things that go on, uh, you know, from our bigger corporations to, uh, you know, just the business community here from the time we arrived in 1980 until now. My my parents moved here in 1968, mm-hmm. and they were just welcome. The attitude in Lakeland has always been, how can we make what you do successful. Yeah. And when we first started here in 1981, I think it was, you know, several of the businessmen in this church called me and said, let's have lunch. Yeah, Don't really know what you're doing, but think it's pretty good. So what can we do to help? Uh, yeah. We can help help fund it. We can help pray for it. We can help open our homes. And and that has been unique to Lakeland because I was in a small town uh, 30 minutes from here where no one did that. You yeah. know, I spent two years there uh, trying to get into the realm where we could get to have credibility to minister in the community it never happened yeah and as a result uh we we left there and got here just not knowing what was going to happen and the and the the doors were open wide to us so for for that we we credit lakeland and the Mm -hmm. people that have gone on before us there was there were a group of 40 or 50 businessmen most of whom are no longer with us yeah but they kind of ran things from a number of different backgrounds. They, some were at the Methodist Church, some were at the Baptist Church, some were here at the Presbyterian Church, some were at the Episcopal Church. But they all seemed to get along, they all seemed to be welcoming, and they they welcomed uh, anything new that was going on. If it was the Lord's work, they were all in on that. So yeah. that's a challenge for a lot of communities. You don't find that very often. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I, I, I will say, I mean, I agree with you in, in all those fronts. I will say, one of the things, I being in Lakeland for now I've been 20, 25 years, 98, I came in, in uh, 26 years uh, this year will be that is that there are you know there are, I don't know you've heard this before how many Lakelands are there right yes. how many distinct well there are five that
1: I know of. There, there are might five, be dis- more. five five is what I've heard too right
0: <laughs> and I think that 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 a lot of the that welcoming philanthropic kind of presence is it's centrally located or, you know, it's South Lakeland located and then it kind of, it moves outward. I think the challenge is how do you integrate all the different communities, you know, the, the Cumbie area and the the North Lakeland area and the Washington Heights area. And, 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 and i think one of the 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 great benefits something like the oasis project does from a hospitality standpoint is not to just throw money at 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 the situation which is not a bad thing to do but the building of relationships with 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 these kids and their families beyond the 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 the, the social borders you know social boundaries there's a lot of a lot of uh, great philanthropic uh work here that goes on but some of it is Almost like a savior complex sort of thing. You yes. know what I'm saying? It's like yes. we, we, you know, the 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 we're going to help you know the lesser rather than partner with, and it's why. You know, I love our work with Tim Mitchell and Parker Street Ministry because it's it's, you know, God showed up and moved in the neighborhood, and so did the folks at Parker Street Ministry. They're showing up, moving in the neighborhood. You know, uh, uh, the and, and many of the folks in the Oasis Project, those kids live in the Parker Street community, and and we've gotten to see those partnerships and those relationships go. And I think my prayer is always that more churches would follow suit with yes. those kinds of ministries and those kind. And there's nothing wrong with giving money and open, you know, and, and going out into the neighborhoods and serving. But if there's a way to build relationships that go beyond just the one-off projects, do you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, there? for yeah. sure.
1: And again, you know, Tim is my nephew. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. But, yeah, no. he's, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, the, uh, he's the son of my brother-in-law. Th- why does that Gwen's not su- surprise me what, but, at all? Uh, you know, he moved here as an 18 year old kid I, yeah. and had a heart to do this inner city ministry. Yeah. And, uh, Actually, I got him hooked up with what was then Parker Street. looks nothing like it does now. And no. his, his commitment was to live among the folks. Yeah, still does. It yeah. still does yeah. and does an amazing job. And, you know, again, the great thing, they've included a number of different churches in leadership sure. roles, bringing them in and, and doing more than just writing the check.
0: Yeah. Being yeah.
1: involved in the Christmas store, being involved in the neighborhood stuff that goes on. Yeah. People actually living in that neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, so, we yeah. we, had a, we had a
0: great time. My my, my son and I we went and uh, we went out. Uh, our youth ministry here at FPC and the the young adult ministry they had a fall festival right after our costumes and candy, which we always whatever leftover, You know, we I always push real hard for a lot of
1: candy for I mean, our you costumes. get a lot of candy. You are the candy man. And,
0: and then and then I always it's been great because Parker Street always times theirs out for like three days later. So right. I I make sure we don't open every bat, you know, I make sure we don't just, like, open bags, and just open bags, we only open them as we need them. And it's
1: sponsored by the American Dental Association. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the dentists love that, right? But then we we go down and actually have, like, like games and stuff, and that was such a great, great event. Kids love that, yeah, too. Yeah, and we got you know, to, they... yeah, we got to know some of the families down there, and then this year I started thinking about, oh, man, we should have done this, you know, because, you know, things like family pictures and things like that, they, you know, they didn't always have access to that, so um, but, yeah, I got to talk to tim and and I get to sit on the advisory council uh with Parker Street and get to talk to sarah and and tim and and man that but see that's the idea of this hospitality in almost like in reverse you know because it's not it's not just hey, you come and see us mm-hmm. but we're we're going to be in relationship together it's how christ did and 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 one of the things that you Touched on in your message, and I I, I want to see if we can unpack this a little bit because it's been in the background in my mind. It was I almost brought it up in the uh, the Zacchaeus message last week, but I didn't. You never see Jesus' house, right? No, it, no. Well, you see it one time, Matthew chapter two, when the magi show up, but that's in Bethlehem, so we are pretty sure it was a borrowed or rented facility. Probably but, but, was. but we did We never see it in Nazareth. We we never see any place that Jesus has permanent residence ever. He's always on the move. He's always so. As you look as you've looked at the Gospels and you think about you talked about the the borrowed na- nature yes. of Jesus' ministry.
1: Yeah, he he was not materially blessed. Yeah. To put it to put it shortly, he you know he was born in a borrowed manger and lived in. Uh, borrowed, yeah. borrowed everything. Ministered in a borrowed boat, and yeah. fed the five thousand with borrowed fish, and you know was buried on a, uh, killed on a borrowed cross, and buried in a in a Roman uh, borrowed tomb rather from uh, Joseph of Arimathea. But you know that he moved toward people. Yeah, I, I think the guy that even amazes me, maybe because he wasn't god man was paul yeah same you thing know, you know yeah. you don't know about paul ever having a house he stayed yeah. with people he yeah. went to people he yeah. lived with lydia in philippi mm-hmm. he stayed with uh, Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth. In fact, I think Priscilla and Aquila changed his whole ministry and therefore the direction of the church. They mm. did the relational thing. Up until that time, Paul was pretty much proclamational, and yeah. he was failing. Yeah. <laughs> and much as I wish people would just listen to how we proclaim the gospel, doesn't uh, always
0: work out that way.
1: It really didn't get yeah. get cranking until Paul figured out the relational piece. And yeah. when his last missionary journey, he stayed three years in Ephesus. With the school, and he mentored young men. He was he was incarnational with them, mm-hmm. and that was that was the thing that changed the, the the course of the church. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting. I hadn't thought about the Paul aspect of it, but how many of the church? I mean, of all the early church leaders, I think the only one that we might know of or actually hear about some sort of a family home life is. Peter, right? And
1: he had to share it with his mother-in-law.
0: He shared so. it with his mother-in-law, <laughs> and, and as everyone did in the day. That's and right. We did too. That's right. Um, but but this idea that they're relying on the hospitality, so that there is a the, the 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 importance of the establishment of homes and families, and so the establishment of homes and families serves as hospitality for the gospel, for the ministry of the gospel, and, and that 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 sort of relational piece. And um, you know, I think it's it's difficult um when when we start to bring in this concept of of partiality and bringing people in from the highways and the hedges as as he talks about in Luke chapter 14 because we get we get very much internalized or very much in, in a zone of these are our people, these aren't our people. We yeah. we can minister to these I people I when we can.
1: wherever two or three are gathered, they're a click conform. Yeah, you said that at the <laughs> beginning of your
0: message too, right right after it, the the welcome and it's The holy huddle you know yeah. it's
1: it's so much easier to be around believers. Yeah. Emotionally, but the joy comes from inviting Inviting in the nonbelievers and inviting in the strangers and inviting in the people who came from the balcony. You know, yeah. how it's so fun to watch God work in those situations where we—I think God calls us to live by faith. Yeah. He and I have had long discussions about that. I'm not crazy about this idea. Yeah. I would rather be in control of everything. Yeah. But I can put myself in those circumstances, especially with people in the hospitality piece— where I put my ne- stick my neck out and say, "Hey, let's go grab lunch," or "Let me come by your office," or "Let me come by your home," or, or "Come on in here and see me in my office," whatever it is. But yeah. to, to take the initiative to move toward people is what Christ teaches us, and I think what Paul taught us, and I think James was really good at it too. And in the you know in the Mediterranean world, hospitality is everything. Everything,
0: yeah. I think that I think the 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 hospitality, especially to the broken and the hurting. Something that that James really pulls out in that James too, you know, he he really when he when you talked about the illustration of the concept, right, with the 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 man. The gold-fingered man, which I I could only think of the James Bond theme. <laughs> of course, after you said that, I, I was I was waiting for the James Bond theme <laughs> to to come to come into play there, but it it never did. It never came. But uh, but you know, you look at that, and then you look at the the the. He says, you know, if if you see someone who's poor and, and and you tell them to sit over here, and and you even go so far, sit out sit out there, which I think happens. You know, we tend to be a a very uh,
1: appearance-driven sort of. Culture and a I very, think that was a big, strong point yeah. of your message. We are an appearance-driven world. Yeah, you know,
0: and always has been yeah. because even James points that out. I mean, yeah. they they were judging based on appearance, and as you said, they were wearing their wealth and actually it's funny because we don't tend to wear our wealth as much as we used to, you know, like we, you know, it, it's, a, I it's, don't know. Have you
1: bought a pair of Gucci anything? Uh, no, I never, I never have. I never
0: have. I never have. I buy sneakers. That's about it. But I don't even buy the expensive sneakers. I buy them all, you know, uh, on sale. But you know, there is this, this, this social standing sort of thing. And, you know, on Sunday we had a fairly prominent member of our, our community in the ten thirty in the ten thirty service. And, uh, in in some some Sundays we would have pointed out that this member of our community right. was was here because he's he's very well known, um, sometimes called America's sheriff was here, <laughs> uh, but uh, it literally went through my mind. I'm not even kidding, Ed. It went through my mind at 10:30. I'm thinking, do I point this guy? Do I point this man out because he has been important to our community? Right. And, and and I don't want to diminish that at all. He he's no, been very. And
1: one of the reasons for his popularity is he goes to people. He, yeah, he is beloved. Yeah. in the poor communities.
0: Yeah, and at the same time, I was thinking, is that not counter to exactly what James <laughs> is saying here? You don't treat anybody with with partiality, right. uh, because am I going to point out the the person that's sitting in the balcony? Right. Use your point. We actually have a balcony at ten thirty. <laughs> I could point out the people that are sitting in the back of the balcony, but. uh but it was it you know it was one of those and and interesting Sunday too to have this message because we were ordaining elders in the ten thirty classic service brought them over recognized them in Vine and um, important notion because a lot of the the folks in our, in our session have tended to be corner office people yes they they've tended to be good business men good business women um, civic leaders which is important. I mean, they've gotten to those positions because of of various talents and skills that God's given them. But at the same time, hearing the message, okay, yeah, now you're in a position of Christ, of leadership for the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and servant that, leadership. And what do we do? I mean, what do we do? What do we ask them to do in those moments is we ask them to kneel in front of the whole congregation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've got former mayors in this class. We've got uh, former businessmen, former, you know, we've got bi- current business women, people who, who, and they, and it's a very powerful image to see them kneel in front of everybody and have other elders lay hands on them yes. while we pray for the Holy Spirit to move, move in them and, and, uh. It, it's a it's a it's a visible physical reminder of that non partiality message. Sounds biblical to me. Yeah, it really does. I really. I'm glad we do it like Good the job. Bible, right? I'm glad we do it like the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, was there something on this week that you just man you just didn't have time to get to? Like the James two, the Luke fourteen. Were there things where you're like. Man, if if given if this was a series, if we were if you were teaching this in a series, if you you were unpacking this for a longer length of time, what would you have included?
1: Well, I have done this as a series, and it's always two lessons. Yeah. So I actually right up until the last minute was trying to figure out if I was going to stop halfway through or when you were going to bring the elders in and I could finish yeah. finish the deal. So I, I was happy to get to finish. Uh, I think you know the last few verses of James 2 where he three different times says faith without works is dead yeah and how confusing that is uh, to the doctrine of justification i brought it up i wish i had been able to unpack that more it, it's what you know there's a difference between the doctrine of justification and the word justification yeah you know the word in the context of James mean meaning shown something to be authentic it was abraham's willingness to offer up isaac that showed his faith Faith was authentic, yeah. uh, whereas you know again that's why Luther couldn't get his arms around around the book of James because he was so caught up with the doctrine of justification he lost sight of the word and what it actually meant in yeah. in, the, in the culture.
0: Yeah, well, and, the, and for and for Martin Luther he was in the pendulum swing of of the the Roman Catholic theology Absolutely. of no no you've got to earn your salvation yep. so your justification is entirely based on what you do and so hearing. Uh, it, it, I it can imagine the 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 mental gymnastics that 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 Luther would have to do to to get to that point where he could accept James, right, and and accept that they're not contradictory to what is said in the in the book of Romans. The and book of and I actually
1: had a seminary professor. He he did a study and he and he had a, a, a like a quiz and he took verses from Romans and verses from James and he put them up without referencing them. Oh, wow. And we had to guess which book they were from, and we got them all wrong, because there's a lot about, in Romans, on... On On what, yeah, what you do with your faith. Right, and there's a lot in James on, you know, salvation by faith alone, so it was fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think, to me, you know, the the connection between, you can always spend more time on Jesus, right? You can always spend more time on Jesus. I, I think... I would have loved to spend more time on the 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 hospitality piece that Jesus Himself was was had to in, to to um to live into Himself in order to do the work that God had called Him to do, and then the connection between uh, the Isaiah suffering servant. There was nothing in His appearance that we should have marveled at Him. Hmm. Nothing attractive about Christ. Um, I, I, we imagine Christ as this very handsome, you know. Uh, you know, individual from you know, just stepping out of some sort of magazine. So, well, the prophets don't seem to think that that's what the Messiah looked like. I mean, I'm, or 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 there was nothing extraordinary in his appearance that that would mark him as some, something different, and yet who is it that judges jesus based on his appearance you know who is it that judges jesus based on his his background or his 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 lack of of connection to you know whatever rabbinical school or not you know
1: sure and again with james not even his brothers were believing in him yeah you know, this is our older brother. He's just just old Jesus or yeah. Joshua in the yeah. Hebrew world. Yeah. You know, how in the world could he possibly be the Messiah, son of God? Yeah. Judging on appearances, right? Yep. And yeah. so
0: James knew all too well that the danger of judging based on appearance and and having a partial. And I think James
1: suffered as a result of being the the younger brother. I think he, oh, you know, yeah. Mary being a widow probably and James certainly understood what it was to be an orphan. Don't know how long that was in his yeah. childhood, but You know, likely Joseph died and left Mary behind with six other children. And then the oldest son who, you know, was Jesus and should have gone on and supported the family decides, no, it's time to begin my messianic ministry. Time to be an itinerant preacher. And
0: yeah, there's got to be a fair amount of, of, you know bitterness on the part of James for a while. And I
1: just wish someday, maybe in heaven, we'll, we'll get to sit down with James and say, what was that 1 Corinthians 15 appearance to oh, James I, like? I
0: loved how you pointed that out, because that that that, that singular moment that, that Jesus spent, that it's called out, Paul, totally unrelated from a bloodline yeah. standpoint knows that Jesus spent time with James, meant that James had a conversation with Paul when Paul comes back from, from, from it comes into Jerusalem. Every time
1: he came back to see James, yeah. you know, James was, you know, in the early church he was called, Eusebius called him camel knees, because yeah. he was such a man of prayer. Yeah. And it must have been an incredible leader, mm. yeah. having gone through personal transformation, knowing now who my half-brother really was. And, and having to oversee,
0: you know, some of the most controversial topics of the... Early. I mean, the first major controversy of the Church, the the Gentile-Jewish relationship in the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. I mean, James is the he he's the general presbyter right he's the he's i wonder if at in, that
1: point he un, it was kind of unspoken but I am jesus brother that's right how many times <laughs> how many times
0: you know when jesus came and spoke to me after the resurrection this is what he said you know it's like how many times you have to drop that line yeah. but you know that that what a turning point you know yes. what a turning point and comes out of this failure on james part to show partiality. You know, he was showing partiality to against his brother because of what the appearance of his brother was at that time and others. But then... You know, moving into this, this is why it's so important for the early church not to show partiality because you do not know, you do not know what God's going to do. That God has chosen, as He says in James two, God has chosen the poor and the the broken yeah. things of this world, right? Um, you and I are both testimony to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and everybody who's honest with themselves, really, right? Yeah. Everybody who's honest with themselves is is the least likely guy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh Ed, thank you so much. Um what anything that you want to I mean you got a, you've got a
1: podcast out yourself. Well, my wife does the daily briefing uh that comes out in email form uh mydailybriefing.org and uh we've committed to put it in podcast form. And so uh, you can go on Spotify or uh, My Heart Radio or Apple Podcasts and find it there. And my son Johnny, who's the musician, has also uh, done a podcast with the same stuff. Okay. And he's reaching a younger crowd, and he does a better job at it than I do. So <laughs> it's fun to have him going alongside at this time. My MyDailyBriefing.org,
0: or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeart uh, Radio. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent and uh, we appreciate your continued ministry here at FPC uh, filling in when we need and uh it, it the great thing is always say uh it's always it's always great when you can call call in like a babe ruth off the <laughs> off the off the i uh, might be as old as you <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone missed this week's messages in the series, Extreme Hospitality, whether the uh, Ed's, Ed's message in the Modern Service or Vine Service or mine in the Classic, we encourage you to go to fpclakeland.org to our worship page in our Sermon Archive tab where you can watch complete uh, services on YouTube. Uh, it's all embedded there on the website. And if you are so inclined, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google uh, SoundCloud, um, Google. Google Play. Subscribe. Hit the, uh, hit the subscribe button and uh, like it. Share it with your friends. Uh, it's a great, great opportunity to expand the preaching ministry here at FPC Lakeland. Uh, Ed, thank you so much. We'll be back again, uh, probably not in the too distant future, but uh, I, pre- I appreciate you hanging out and uh, spending this time with us, and we'll see everybody next time.